Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. Today's episode is a conversation about how sole source contracts work. Do they make things easier during award? What about during execution? Sometimes it depends on your perspective. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today we're going to answer or attempt to answer a listener question about sole source contracting. And the question is, are sole source contracts easier? We are. And this is an interesting question because the we talk a lot about the idea of a balance between extremes. And this is another one of those balances between the extreme expectation that sole source contracts are easier, but then the other extreme that they're never good. And so it's between those two that we're going to be wandering today. So it'll be fun. So this is the spoiler. The answer is yes, they are easier. And no, they are not easier. And (laughs) if you want to hear more, then you have to listen on. So before we get started, today we are talking about sole source contracts. This is based on a listener question, but we're going to get a little deeper than the original question actually uh, imagined, I'll say. And it really hinges on what do you mean by easier? What's the definition of the word easier in this context? But first, we're going to talk about what acquisition time zone we're in and why this is an important topic, why this is something that everyone should care about, and then get a little more specific about why the government should care and why industry should care. So, Kevin, what are we talking about here? I will describe as best I can the the general situation. So, industry goes to the government and says, I can do this for you, and we won't worry about what this is. The customer says, oh, man, yes, I want you to do that for me. I want that. So, just do it. We'll just do it sole source. It'll be easier. And they get to the contracting officer who says, uh, yes, it'll be easier. It'll be, if you mean faster to award and obligate the funds, yes. Easier to get the paperwork. Uh, there's still a bunch of paperwork that's required for a sole source. Easy, easier to administer the contract after award? Possibly, but, but really possibly not. But it comes down to the FAR says, whether or not a contract can be awarded sole source. The FAR has several exceptions, which we've been through on a different podcast, of when you can use other than full and open competition, which is sole source. So this is FAR 6.3. We got to get that FAR reference in, right, Kevin? Yep. So FAR 6.3 or through any number of set-aside possibilities, the 8A program and and uh, what is it, Ability One, where where there's... There's other types of set-asides besides small business. Some of them are mandated. Some of them are, you, you can choose to do that. That's a different podcast and it's a, it's a rabbit hole. We can get down at a different point. But the basic idea is that there is a requirement to justify doing other than competing. And that's what you're talking about here is that you made the decision that, oh yeah, this is the best company to do it. But you may get to the end of that trail and go, you know what? Not according to any exemptions I can use to do a sole source contract. Right. So that's the process. So acquisition time zones, we are talking about zone one, the requirement zone, and zone two, the market research zone. This is where you put together that strategy before a source selection, and you should be looking at the requirements and doing your market research with the thought that you are going to compete this, and you're evaluating the options out there in the market to know whether or not a competition is feasible or if there is truly one source that 
meets one of the exceptions that the FAR allows. And if you're on the industry side, what you're trying to do is convince the customer and the contracting officer that you're the only one that can do this. <laughs> of course, you're always and, the only one that can do it. And sometimes you're right, yeah. but a lot of times you're not. That, that's, that's the balance. That's the two extremes. So, so, Kevin, why is this important? So the perception is that, that companies want them. That, that a company wants a sole source contract. And, I mean, really, most companies would. Right. I would uh, say all companies want them all the time for everything. They never want to have to compete if they can just get the contract handed to them. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I mean, think about it. If, if given the option between I can have this contract or I can compete for it, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Now, the raging capitalist in me, you know, the, the naive capitalist in me says, we're going to compete everything. But, but that's not always going to be the case because there are certain things that, that necessarily need to be sole source. But here's the funny thing about, about sole source contracts. It's kind of like Congress. Well, everybody says Congress is a train wreck. I'm very unhappy with how everything's playing out, but my congressman, he's okay, right? Well, it's the same thing. Everybody hates everybody else having sole source contracts, but yeah, they're really great to have themselves. So <laughs> right. that's, that, that's the, fuzzy, the fuzzy math we're right. trying to work The out. same contractor will go to the same acquisition office and defend why their contract has to be sole sourced over and over and over again, but argue that their competitor's sole source contract is horrible and must be competed. <laughs> and that's that's human nature. That is capitalism at its best, right? Yeah, and and think about it. I mean, from a capitalist perspective, you want to have that competition happen during the market research phase, which is why we're saying that we're not in the RFP zone here. We're we're having this fight now. So, like, if I can convince you that I'm the only one that can do this, or my product is the only one that can actually do this, I want to win the competition now before it even gets to the RFP zone. So, it is still competition, and if you think about it in the you know, kind of a, a non-far competition kind of way. <laughs> it is competition. Yeah, it's a far parts. It's a far part six competition. Right. We'll call so, it. But that leads right to the next point that we want to make here: that customers want sole source contracts. Sometimes, if 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 a customer is happy with a product or a solution that they have, they don't want to do a competition just because the far says so. <laughs> They want to stick with the product that they're happy with. They don't want to change it. And that goes back to the human nature of people want to do business with who they like. And that's a unique feature of government contracts. You always have to re not always, most of the time you're going to have to recompete things. You've heard me tell the story about the guy who sprays for bugs at my house. I'm not going to recompete that contract. He's been, I don't know, years he's been coming here. And I'm not going to recompete. Actually, I don't even have a contract. It's just verbal. I just, I just call him once a year. But the point is, I'm not going to go shopping around because it's like 50 bucks once a year, right? But it's, I like him. So I don't want to have to get a new guy. So that, as simple as that example is, it's the same thing, particularly on service contracts. If, if you're a program manager and, or you're an engineer or, or you're a, even if you're just a, a staff person and the person who supports you, your staff, meaning like you're at the legislative office or something, and the people who support you, they've been there for a couple of years, they know you. They, they know your schedule. They know your personality. They know how you write. They know what kind of memos you like. I mean, this is a significant emotional event that the customer's like, dude, are you kidding me? I got to replace all these people? So, you know, put aside the fact that you may get the same people under a different contract. That's a, that's a <laughs> different strategy altogether. We'll talk about it on a different podcast. But the human nature part of it, you're absolutely correct, is that for, for me to say, I got to start over, I, that sucks. It's so hard. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just, it's how it is. So it's also important to understand your competitors don't want you to have a sole source contract. So your sole source contracts are great. Your competitors' sole source contracts are all wrong. <laughs> As a capitalist, 
you know, we want competition. We want survival of the fittest, right? Let the best man win. As a taxpayer, I want competition. I want to get the best deal. Now, there are cases where a sole source contract can actually save the taxpayer money. In that case, let's do that. But overall, I would say taxpayers don't want unnecessary sole source contracts. And a great example of that is when you're writing a JNA, one of the pieces in there is you talk about the effort it would, I'm oversimplifying, but the effort it would take to recompete this. That effort costs time and money. And the taxpayer doesn't know about that effort, right? So the taxpayer says, well, why aren't we competing? It shouldn't be sole source. So that, which goes back to why the JNA has to be written so well to say, okay, in theory, I, th- I think the example we used was the, uh, the, the sole source contract I wrote for, for testing facility out in the middle of nowhere, it was at a certain elevation. Could we go and spend the money to carve out a part of a national park and make this facility ourselves? Yeah, we could. So we could actually compete this, but the choice was, you know what? There's already somebody that does this. Let's just use them. Yeah. We can and, save $10,000 by competing it, but the competition is going to cost us $2 million. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. So when we're talking about our sole source contracts easier, the word easier is the loaded term. What factors do we have to consider when we're, when we're thinking about what, what does easier mean? So let me use one of my stories to help kind of clarify this. One of the things that I, I went through a, a cycle where the, the requirement had a patent in it, but the requirement actually had a feature that was patented by a certain company. And I essentially had the idea that a monopoly on this product, right? So I talked to the program manager and said, realizing that I, I realized what you want to do here is going to generate a sole source contract because they have a patent on it. We can't, we can't say, hey, we're just going to use your patent and let this other company use it and, and compete it. So with some market research, we realized that while this particular feature is, is what you started with, going back to this is why we're also in zone two, you ask industry, this is the problem I'm trying to solve. Turns out there was a solution that's not patented. This, and this is one feature of a bigger product. I'm not talking about it's one individual item we're buying. This results in the same kind of solution that we're going for. And it, because it's one part of a, of a, a larger uh, product, now we get away from that patent part and now we can compete it. And it ended up being best in market, not just best available. That process took a while. And was it the best solution for every scenario? No. In this case, we, we may have found out through this process that, you know what, that feature is so important that, yeah, we got to suck it up and do a sole source contract because it makes sense. But going through that drill takes everybody time. Right. And, but you could add your blinders on and written a, a seemingly valid J&A that said, this is the only company that can do that because they have this thing. And it turns out this thing wasn't the biggest part of the solution. It was just a thing that, that indeed they were the only ones that had, but it wasn't the only thing you needed. Yeah, it wasn't a linchpin issue. So that, yeah. that's a, something to consider. E- easier to sole source it. Yeah, it might have been easier to sole source it, but with just a little refinement of the requirement, you got a competition and you got something that, that was a better solution. But it, but it took expanding, changing the requirement and thinking about it a little bit differently from just the user saying, I want that. And here's, a, here's another factor to consider. And this goes back to the sole source contracts that are allowed under 8As and, and certain circumstances. So, and this is, there's a blog post from one of our team members, Shelly, wrote this on our, on our website, so you can go read all the details. The, the short version of it is 
was a, a contract to a small business. They sole sourced it to this company because the expectation was they could do it because it was cleaning windows, right? Sounds kind of easy. Well, as it turns out, as they got more and more into it, and again, this is before the contract, but this was a, before the contract was actually signed, but this was a large atrium where they had to have scaffolding and it was like a 45 degree inverted angle that they were having to clean from. And it's not like it's just clean windows in your house. I mean, this is a big, this is professional window cleaning at a level that this company while everybody loved that they were a small business and local and all that kind of great stuff, they ended up not being able to do it. I mean, the contract was a failure because they, they couldn't complete it for the price that they negotiated. And my, my argument is, was it sole sourceable? Yes. Was that the best decision? No. Because what they could have done, and, and, and to me, this is one of those things that's obvious. It's like, well, competed among that type of small business. I believe it was an 8A set aside. Competed among all the 8As that are, that are window cleaners. Right. It's not that hard, but th- this is, and it, and I'm not picking on Shelly and Shelly, you know, puts out there that, yeah, this is how you learn. Right. And that's, that's the point of this exercise is to go through. These are the things that you can consider. So the question there is, well, what if we took another month or a week or, or a day and posted something on FBO and said, we're thinking about doing this as, as a, as a sole source, eight, a to this company, or I didn't even say that you say, we're thinking about doing this as a sole source under an eight, a who else, who, what other eight A's can do it? see what happens. And if you don't get anything back, well, then there's your answer. Suck it up and go with this company and help them figure it out. But that process, again, takes time. And sometimes I think we're always sprinting so fast we don't take the time to to figure it out. And that's a great example, Kevin. So so spend the time up front doing this. If you're on the government side, tell industry that you're looking to compete it. If you're on the industry side, tell the government that they should compete it because here's why. I can do this as well as the company that you're talking about. If, if, you, if, if the government shares information about what they're willing to, what they are considering competing, industry will help make the case that it should be competed by, by saying, I could do this. If you just change this, I could do it. it they'll help build the case for why it's, it's good to be competed. Or industry will self-eliminate and say, yeah, you're right, I I can't do that, or I don't want to do that. So with, with again, how many times, Kevin, do we talk about communicate, 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 it, get that information out there? You might, if you're on the government side, you might end up with a valid sole source because all of industry, except for one one company, says, you're right, I can't do that or, or, or shouldn't do that, or I, it will cost me this much more to do that. Yeah, and take me a year to be ready to do that. So share the information, spend that time up front. You may either be able to support your competition or you may get down to a sole source that, that is, is easier. And, and on the industry side, when you see something that you could do, go through that cycle of thinking about, okay, we could do this, but you know what? If we don't want to do it that way, we can't make money doing it that way. It, it's going to be a shiny object for us, whatever. But it, Think about it in terms of don't just be upset because they're getting a sole source contract and you're not. Think about it in terms of is this worth fighting for? And think about it. If you're a contracting officer and you get an email back from somebody saying, you know what? Yeah, that actually makes sense to do that sole source because that company has this capability that we don't have. By the way, I've never gotten that email, but that would be really helpful to get <laughs> because what you're saying is, okay, this is the right decision because a contracting officer, they want to know. This is the reason that, and I guess is a heated issue. You can tell by my, my voice changing. A lot of times they don't want to ask that question. Because they're afraid all they're going to get back from you is, oh, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And it's like, well, can you really? So wouldn't it be awesome if you said, you know what? I got 15 opportunities. I can only chase three. 
So one of the ones that I just got from this contracting officer, because he's asking me on FBO whether or not he should set this aside, and I'm just going to tell him, you know what, set that aside. It's, that's not on my radar. And that valid, and this going back to making things faster, that validates his decision to sole source it, which yep. gets things done more quickly. So, so, so publishing a, a bidder's list helps a ton in that. If companies see what other companies are interested in this, they may more readily say, wow, those three guys are competing for this. There's no way I'm going to be in the top three. I could do it, but there's no way I'm going to be in the top three. So I am not even going to spend my time and energy bidding on this. Good point. So what other factors do we have? So I have to be careful here because I am on the industry side, (laughs) but a competition will keep industry providing the most innovative solutions and the lowest price. It, 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 It makes you, it, it can make industry much more hungry because they know they have to, to beat the people that may not have as good of a solution or know what they're talking about as much, but are going to bid a lower price. So from the industry side, I'd say, you know, sole source is, is a point of, of strength in air quotes in, in negotiations. From the government side, you actually, in sole source negotiations, you, get a, a, you can get a lot more details about the pricing buildup. So you may may have it more of an advantage of knowing exactly what goes into that price. But you don't gain the benefit of competition. And, and here's what this feels like. I had a sole source contract for, for a product. And as the contracting officer, this product was needed. That's why it was a sole source. And there's only one company that makes it. So I'm, I'm, I have to get this deal done. So as a contracting officer who's used to competing stuff, who prefers to have source selections, I, I feel at a disadvantage. Because the leverage is on this company and the perception, again, this is the cynical side, the perception is they're going to abuse that, that leverage. And whether they do or not, it's a separate podcast. That's a negotiation podcast. But the point is they don't have that leverage if it isn't a sole source. So when it's a sole source, the leverage is on the advantage. Like and we'll use tennis terms. <laughs> the advantage is going to be on the contractor and a sole source. So when it comes to easier, are sole sources uh, negotiations easier? No, it's not as easy to negotiate a sole source as it is a competition. We've talked about discussions, which are those negotiations. If you're in discussions during a competition and each contractor knows that there's still a decision to be made between competing solutions, those discussions are going to are potentially much more fruitful than just a one-on-one. And and if those negotiations aren't done well, then you end up with tripwires and landmines and misunderstandings that are then woven into your sole source contract. Now, to be fair, you can have these same kind of misunderstandings <laughs> woven into a competitive contract if you do it right, wrong. Right. So let's not pretend that this is exclusive to sole source. Let's talk about why should the government team care about sole source being, you know, easier. Again, air quotes, easier is such a loaded word. So <laughs> the FAR says you have to compete things unless there are you, unless you're taking advantage of one of the exceptions to full and open competition. But why should the government fall into the thought that these things are easier? You can certainly award things faster in the big picture with a sole source contract. You may pay more, if not, not in the initial contract value, because you didn't get the, the competition to, to, to get the, the lowest and fairest price. But you might pay more because, like we just talked about with those tripwires and, and misunderstandings, it might be harder to administrate. And you may spend a lot more time and energy working through contracts issues after award. 
I feel like a lot of times there's a tendency, especially with the smaller ones, to eh, we'll just sole source this because it'll be it'll be easier, he says again with air quotes. One of the things that I've been seeing for a while, and I saw this even as a contracting officer, is that contracting officers need more experience with source selections. One of the best ways to get that experience is do smaller ones. You can get them like a small, like a under five million, even under a million dollar source selection is going to get done faster. You're because it's just it's less work. Let's start with that. It's it's less risk, but more importantly, lots of companies aren't necessarily going to be upset that they don't win, you know, a, a nine hundred thousand uh, dollar contract or a one point five million dollar. Yeah, okay, they're not going to be happy, but it's not going to put them out of business. Whereas if you wait, like in other words, you don't compete anything under four million dollars, and all of a sudden here comes a fifty million dollar source selection, and now <laughs> you got real players at the table with real money who are putting like you know, hundreds of hours into the proposal instead of just, you know, days. Right. That's a, that's what happens. You need, so what so we this is your chance. To practice. This is your chance to practice. Yeah. And, and it, and it's, it's practice diminishes the value of it. Right. Yeah. It, sorry. Not, it, probably not a good word. It, it's getting those reps in so that when the billion dollar source selection comes along, you have people that have learned from multiple source selections of different sizes not just, hey, I've done four selections. Now I'm going to do a billion-dollar one. And, of course, it's easy to knock on the acquisition workforce now that I'm on the other side. But there are a lot of junior acquisition professionals out there that have not had the reps that, that in, in previous generations that, that the, the contracting folks had. You hear me talk about that all the time, that the weight class is a big deal. And this is how the contracts folks can grow into their weight class by doing reps like you talked about. And this is also how the small businesses can grow into their weight class. I'm just, I'm not seeing as much of that. I'm yeah. seeing a, a whole lot of, of awards under uh, you know, FAR Part 13. I'm seeing a whole lot of GSA orders. I'm seeing a whole lot of you know, the, the low hanging fruit in quotes. They're just going to find a short way to do that. And that's where you learn. Like I did a two-step sealed bid for, I think it was like one, I think it was, I don't know, so like $190,000. But dude, I learned so much from that process. And it took like, I don't know, two weeks. Right. But could we have done that as a sole source? AD? Of course we could have. But that's the kind of stuff that you just take the time to you know, it's the, under the, the whole, just get something done. Do something that's going to teach you the most. And that was one of, I can give you a hundred examples of that, but that's a, a big issue with me. I think we're getting, we're, it's, we're taking the low hanging fruit too often. And as a result, you know, five years from now, fewer people are going to really know how to do source selections. And if I'm wrong, this is a great time to chime in on that one. I'll we'll see, we'll see what kind of feedback I get. I'm not going to chime in. I think you're right. So I'll move us on from why does the government care about sole source contracting being easier to why does industry care? So industry cares in part because competition is incredibly inefficient. So writing a proposal to meet Section L&M requirements that are, are written by the government is completely different than writing a proposal if you were just selling your product in a, in a vacuum, the amount of time and energy it takes not only to shape those, because we've already, we talk about that all the time. Industry's trying to shape section L and M so that it favors their product, but the amount of energy that goes into that, the amount of energy that goes into writing proposals, the amount of time and money that goes into it is hugely different than what's involved in a sole source. Also, if you are an industry and you're currently doing the job, you want that follow-on. You want a sole source just to you because you're the only one that can do it because you are the one that is doing it. 
So industry cares about the perception of sole source contracts being easier. They, they should care about providing that value to the government. So in the case that there is a sole source contract to them, that the government doesn't feel like they got ripped off or manhandled as part of that process. <laughs> I like that. And the other reason the industry cares is that if you target your opportunities and you're really awesome at what you do and you write a good proposal and, and you win competitively, you're going to have more flexibility in what your solution was because you, you can say whatever you want in that proposal, right? And you're probably going to have less admin and fights and stuff afterwards. Again, if the source selection is done properly, I get that. But let, let me give you an example of what this looks like. So one of the contracts that I, I came into after it was competed is a giant, like, you know, billion-dollar contract. And I'm working on a modification for it. And I see that they're – and this is down in the weeds of pricing. But I see that they had put profit on their uh, travel. And that was just one of those things that – it doesn't actually say anywhere in the FAR that you can't give profit on travel. At least – well, let me – if, if I'm wrong, let me know. But last time I checked, it did <laughs> changes every hour. But for the most part, that's not something that you normally get. And I remember, and I actually called out the the uh, program manager and the contracts guy for the company and said, you "Put profit on travel." And that wasn't a lot, but it was just when on a contract that big, it, you know, it was it was tens of thousands of dollars, a lot of money for, from a from a taxpayer. I'm protecting the taxpayer perspective, and their answer was, "We priced profit into our competitive proposal, so this is how we built our plan." And Again, this is like, I don't know, year four of my career, right? And I'm thinking, well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I went back and looked at their proposal. Sure enough, it's already in there. So the lesson learned there is during a, during a competitive process, you can price in whatever you want for the most part, right? And if you win competitively, there's your defense during the contract admin phase to say, we already priced this in. It, it was exposed to the market and we got it. So it's an easy layup for the – well, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's an easy layup for the contracting officer to say, you know what, that was already competed. Good. I write that sentence into my, my negotiation memorandum and we move on. Now compare that to as a sole source, I can't imagine you're going to be real happy about paying, you know, three or 4% profit on travel. Maybe you will. I don't know about, I don't, weighted guidelines, it probably specifically has somewhere in there that you can get profit on travel. So there's all these differences. And that's one of the big ones that that's a benefit of why industry cares, because when you compete, you can actually put things in there that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do during a sole source. That's a great story. So this is a lesson for both industry and contracting officers that if the contracting officer, if the acquisition, let's not peg the CO, if the RFP says no profit on travel, industry should push back on that in a competitive situation and say, why not? Why, why, why would the government mandate that? If it is truly a competition, that would be self-regulating. And industry will propose what profit on travel they think is feasible to, you know, to make an overall return on, the, on, on that work that, that they need for their particular company. So who cares whether or not there's profit on travel if you got the best solution at the best price? That, that's getting way down in the weeds, and that's something that I see all the time in RFPs right now is – is mandates on things that we should let competition take care of. So that's an aside that, well, maybe it's not an aside. That's, that's linked to what we're talking about here. Is sole source easier? Sole source isn't easier in that case because competition can take care of a lot of these things for you. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's one of those things that you're squeezing a balloon. Don't squeeze the balloon. Let, let competition squeeze the balloon for you. And this goes back to we're 
we're trying to make government contracting better and get stuff done faster. This is one of those times is that don't spend your time deciding whether or not they should have profit on this piece or that piece. Say, give me a solution, price it, and then I'll decide at the end based on competition. If I had six different companies, your price is higher. If, if what made it higher was you have 15% profit on travel, like you said, that's self-regulating. We're going to see that and you're going to lose. Whoops. And so let, you know, let competition do its business. But this, that, that whole idea of that kind of stuff isn't going to show up. So in, in a sole source. So it, there's, it's just, it, it's so fun to just think about all these different things at the two ends of the spectrum. It's like, we got this ridiculously long bar with a fulcrum in the middle and we're just tilting it back and forth. That was just- <laughs> so before we tilt it anymore. Yes. Let's stop tilting. Let's just wrap it wrap up. It up. So are sole source contracts easier? If, you, if your definition of easier is, are they faster to award, easier to award, less, less artifacts, paperwork, time? Yes. If that's, if that's how you're going to look at it, sole source contracts are easier. But that doesn't mean that the resulting contract, the resulting program is, is more successful. And what are you really trying to accomplish? Are you trying to make this faster and easier? Are you trying to get the best end result for the users, the taxpayer, the United States? Look at me being all patriotic. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, you know, start with the end in mind is the phrase that comes through my head. And, and that makes the JNA easier to write. If you can say, this is what we're trying to accomplish. A sole source contract is the best way to do that. And the JNAs that I've written that I really believed in and I was willing to, you know, go to the mat with people because, you know, keep in mind, we go listen to podcast number 17. It, 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 a lawyer is going to look at it. Your supervisor is probably going to look at it. You know, you're going to, it's going to be exposed to the world. It, you're you're going to own that. But when the, when it's the right thing to do, when you've thought through this whole process and you've decided it's not necessarily easier, but it's the right thing to do. That's going to be a good place for you to be if you've gone down this process and decided that it's the, it's, this is why it's the right thing to do and you can make that case well. And likewise, <laughs> if it's not, you're going to know, wow, we got to compete this thing. Let's do something else. Well said. All right. Thanks, everyone, for being a podcast listener. Don't forget to send us your topics. We have a whole list of listener listener bread topics. Uh, send them, go to contractingofficerpodcast.com, hit the contact button, send us what you think. Don't forget, connect with us. We're on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, we have Facebook. And of course, my favorite is please write us a review on iTunes. It makes us bubble up higher in the ratings on, on iTunes so people can find us. And we're giving away this inf- information for free, so please help people find it. Yep. If the podcast is enough for you, that's great. If you want more information, go to the Skyway Connection community at skywayacquisition.com slash connect. And there's a lot of stuff in there that goes beyond what we're doing here. And if you need more help, that's where you go. So by the way, if you need help figuring out how to hear these podcasts on your phone, you can send me an email at uh, kevin at contractingofficerpodcast.com. And also we just did a blog post and I made a little PowerPoint deck to show you how to get it. Granted, at this point, it's on your iPhone. I'm still learning how to get it on other ones. But you need a screenshot to show you how do I subscribe? Because I know a lot of you listen to this on your desktop and we want to make your life easier and why not? So there's a way to show you how to do that. So if you need help with that, let us know because we're just trying to help you and we love that you're listening. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, go to contractingofficerpodcast.com, hit the contact button, and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening.